Welcome to Camp Constitution Radio with your host, Hal Shirtliff. This show is heard on WBCP The Planet every Monday and Friday evenings at 7.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. I may have been saying Thursday in my era, so what they do is uh, the show will, the, the show will, the, the first show uh, will be Monday at 7.30 p.m. today. And then they uh, they'll replay the bro- Monday's broadcast uh, on Friday at 7:30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. You can also pick up this show on numerous platforms, including Podomatic. That's a flagship platform. Uh, uh, Spotify, Amazon, and oh, about a half a dozen or so others. It's brought to you by Camp Constitution, which, among other things, runs a week-long family camp. And this year's, I should say next year's camp will run from July 14th, that would be Sunday afternoon, to Friday morning, uh, right after breakfast on the 19th. And we, uh, every year we have a great lineup of instructors. We have some return instructors. Our One of our guest instructors will be Julie Wilkinson, the lady who played the abortion nurse in the movie Unplanned. And she has quite a testimony because she, at one time in her unsaved days, was an abortion nurse. So um, to learn more about that event, you go to our website, campconstitution.net. You can actually sign up, fill out the applications now. We do expect to have a full house. We already have a few people that have signed up, which I think is the earliest in our camp's history. Uh, we do have a ladies' retreat coming up in April, and we're, we're actually working to uh, – it will be April 12th to the 14th, and we're working on um, – we'll be promoting that in a short time in our our family retreat, which will be the last weekend in September of 2024. And so um, you can and you can also see our other events, uh, also visit our blog, our YouTube channel, our Facebook page. we got all kinds of social media out there. And we have great resources right on our uh, website, a lot of downloads and links to um, other like-minded organizations, et cetera, et cetera, campconstitution.net. Well, um, interesting. I just, uh, prior to doing this show, I just got up, I got off the phone. uh, I should say I was on the phone with uh, attorney Bob Joyce from uh, West Roxbury, Boston, Massachusetts. I've known um, Bob for quite a long time. And he is in the process of starting, uh, getting a statewide uh, pro-life flag raising uh, events going on. And uh, what happened just a, a few weeks ago in the town of Billerica, which is a little north of Boston, there was a, a lady uh, that she and a few others started a, a group called Fly the Pro-Life Flag. And they did fly it. Uh, there was some pushback, and initially they thought that the town, uh, and Billy Ricker is about a half hour north, I think north and west of Boston. Well, almost everything's west of Boston, since Boston's on the ocean, right? So uh, north and west of Boston, and uh, the city, I should say, town, the town selectmen had a vote four to one. And prior to the vote, they had asked me to call in, uh, to Zoom in, I think, or Skype in, one of the two, uh, while they're having a hearing. And they allow people two or three minutes. I took probably a little more than a minute, and I identified myself. I told them about our flag case in Boston, uh, 9-0, your Supreme Court, and uh, the fact that it cost the city in legal fees over $2.1 million. That's what they paid our attorneys, Liberty Council. 
but that's not what they paid their attorney. So I imagine it was over three million. And I said that I'm sure the town of Billerica has better things to do with uh, all that money than to give it to a, a legal a legal a law firm. So I like to think um, my testimony kind of made a little difference. Um, but they voted four one. It could, it could have been the they maybe the one they knew they were going to lose it. But he said, well, he's a a lefty and he has to keep his reputation. So he voted and knowing that he would lose. But I I voted against it. I was the only one that stood up against those evil right wingers and. Those people that uh, oppose uh, killing babies. No, they never say killing babies. They say a woman's right to choose or uh, uh, what they call it, pregnancy care. They call it care and all the health care and all this. And it's a right. They have a right. to. Well, they don't have a right uh, to uh, kill an unborn child. Well, they still do, unfortunately, in, in most of the country, especially Massachusetts. And, you know, I, I, I did a program on when Roe v. Wade was repealed, knowing that it would not end abortion, but it would probably, obviously, some states restrict it, some states made it, outlawed it, and some states set laws uh, 15 weeks or even less than that. Um, and I, I heard a statistic recently that there have been more abortions since Roe v. Wade. And I don't know what they, what they, they use one year statistic versus a second, I don't know, but I know that uh, you had to repeal Roe Ro v. Wade, and um, that was just a good decision. And what drives me a little, uh, gets me a little upset is these, uh, you know, these middle of the road as well. We're going to lose elections. We're going to lose some seats because uh, the suburban women will come out now knowing that you took their rights away and all this kind of thing. You have to do what's God honoring, period. And it was the Supreme Court that took, it wasn't the members of Congress they didn't vote on it. There was a Supreme Court that overruled a very bad decision back in 72 uh, that basically said states can't regulate it, that women have a right to uh, kill their babies. And I, I think the original decision left it up to so many weeks, but then they have the clause in case of the life of the mother. And that doesn't mean necessarily physical. It could be mental. And I know that I've spoken to doctors who know about the, these issues, and they say that the number of women uh, who bring their pregnancy to full term that risk their life is such a small amount. I mean, 200 years ago, yes, women, a lot of women died at uh, childbirth and a lot of children didn't make it to their first birthday. But thanks to the marvels of medical technology, that stuff is very rare. And then they also have the one for rape or incest. Now, two horrible things, but you don't you, you don't punish the uh, the babies not not the perpetrator you punish the rapist but you don't punish the uh the, the baby the baby's innocent and i know and again it doesn't happen that often and i remember i had a law professor years ago in my junior college that said uh hard cases make bad law and so it is a it is a difficult thing but you know there are a lot of alternatives to abortion like adoption how about, how about adoption? That's, I should say a lot, but that's the best alternative. If you don't want to keep the child, you put the child up for adoption. And there are a lot of families um, that have trouble uh, having children. A lot of couples, I should say, having trouble with ch uh, having children. And there are a lot of loving families that want to adopt, even if they have their own children. Uh, so anyway, uh, I just want to make some comments about that. And uh, I'm hoping to see many other people around the country, you know, take a stance and say, you know, we, they, these if, if a town is flying uh, rainbow flags and other flags, now we're going to fly a pro-life flag. We're going to fly a Christian flag. We're going to fly liberty 
flags as well as those that if you if the town is going to support uh, put up a communist flag then you got to put up a, a liberty flag too or don't put up any flags anyway so i just wanted to discuss that there's another issue that i like to bring up and this is this issue of christian nationalism now i'm, I'm in the process of writing an article about the topic um this is what they call a bugaboo. A bugaboo, uh, it's an old expression. I don't hear it too much anymore, but I think it fits. It's, it's scaring people. A bugaboo, uh, it's a way that it's a way to scare people. Uh, and sometimes, you know, there is a need to scare people when uh, things aren't going right. And, of course, we're hearing uh, you know, a few years ago, we're told uh, by the Biden administration that the border is better than ever before. Trump made a big mess of it and we've cleaned it up and it's secure. And Mayorkas will testify with a straight face that the border is secure. Yeah, it's because they bring in the people they want in here. That's why they say it's secure. It's secure. It's not secure, but that's what they tell people. And uh, now the FBI is saying that uh, if the war escalates in the Middle East and every in inclination that it will, hopefully it won't. And if Iran gets involved, then there'll be all these sleeper cells throughout the country in the United States and there'll be violence. And they, I think they even issued a, a warning towards certain big cities where there'll be violence. And all these cities, by the way, I think I, I was looking for the list of them. I didn't see the list, but Jeff Cooner, uh, talk show host in Boston, WRKO. This morning mentioned Boston and Washington and New York and all these other cities controlled by the left. And these would all be targeted by uh, these various uh, pro-Palestinian, pro-Hamas organizations. Uh, so I don't think Manchester, New Hampshire was listed there. But this is what happens, though. You see, our immigration policy is the best. I'm not the best. We, we allow more people in this country than all, I think all the nations put together. You try to immigrate to, uh, to uh, well, I guess I guess you can't say that anymore because East uh, Western Europe opened its floodgates to uh, Muslims, and uh, now they're in a big mess. But we still allow many, many people, and there's a process. It used to be you couldn't come in this country unless you had somebody that would support you if you couldn't support yourself. You couldn't come here if you had a contagious disease. You couldn't come here if you were a criminal, if you had a convicted felony record. Uh, and you couldn't come in here if you were, if you supported terrorist organizations or a part of a terrorist organization or advocated the violent overthrow of any country, you, the, the country they're coming from or the country they're coming to. All these people couldn't. Now they come here. They don't ask them any questions. Uh, yeah, there are some on their terror watch list that they might turn back, but they're coming through the border. Uh, we don't even know who they are. And when they come here legally, they're not only they're given cell phones, they're giving um, they're given food, they're giving lodging. Hey, where do you want to go? We have a bus here, and there'll be a plane waiting to take any city in the country. Where do you want to go? Uh, that's what the Biden administration is doing, and it's deliberate. And the goal is to destroy America. And you say, oh no, why would they do that? They live here. Why would they want to destroy their country? Well, I don't know why. Spiritual depravity. I don't know, hatred of America, but they're doing it. So we can sit back and say, oh, they wouldn't do it deliberately. Why would they do that? You know, they live here too. Well, they live in gated communities and there is a spiritual depravity, but is also this um, this blindness. And I, I think it was Sun Tzu that said that, uh, uh, you're talking about a depraved person, I'm not quoting verbatim, but they would, um, 
they would uh, burn their country down if they could rule over the ashes. And that's what they're doing. They want to burn the country down to rule over the ashes. They somehow think there'll be something worth governing. Cities will be uh, ungovernable. Uh, the police will be now the criminal class. And that's what it, South Africa is a typical example of that. South Africa under apartheid. Apartheid wasn't necessarily a good thing. Uh, it, it, uh, certain, if you were black, you weren't, uh, and you lived in the homeland. You had to be on that homeland at a certain time. You couldn't be. So you had a lot of restrictions. But it was a first world country, and there wasn't a whole lot of crime. The communists took over, and the communists said, "Oh no, we're going to reconcile. We're not going to wipe out the whites. We're not going to do any of this. Uh, we learned our lesson from Rhodesia, now Zimbabwe. And what do they do? They did it anyway." I think Mandela had a, uh, because he had such international acclaim, he had to be a little more, uh, uh, he couldn't, he couldn't promote the agenda a hundred percent right away. It had to be a little, but he died. And then, uh, you know, they actually have the president of the country said, you got to kill the boar. Uh, they seize farms, uh, the, the, the homicide rate, the murder rate, I think is the second per capita in the world when it used to be the lowest in the world. And uh, the infrastructure is collapsing, uh, and which, of course, is what anybody. It's what we knew this. Anybody, anybody. Then, and and by the way, South Africa was making all kinds of progress. They had they were dismantling, they were dismantling apartheid. Um, I back in nineteen eighty eight or eighty nine, I hosted a speaker, a black man, Tom Sanquilinda of the Koza tribe. And he said that he can go into any, he can go anywhere he wants. He opens up a business. He had a lot of freedoms. And he said, and things are getting better. Uh, but it wasn't enough for the, the the American establishment, the left. They wanted it right away. And they propped up this communist thug, uh, Mandela. They made him into a martyr. And it's interesting, even Christians, so many people I know, even today, they they didn't realize Mandela was this, this communist thug. They thought he was a great guy. He said, hey. This is a way, this is a great acid test, right? If the world celebrates somebody, there's a probably good chance that that person is a rascal, is evil person, not worthy of celebrating. Think about that. That's just, it may not be the, all always, but that's usually a great acid test. If the world celebrates somebody, if the world condemns something, I want to mean the world, I mean non-believers, leftists, Marxists, the deep state media, the establishment media and the establishment itself, which is what we used to call, we now call the, the establishment the deep state. And it, was, and it was so fascinating that all these leftists, uh, all these, uh, I think of that uh, Howard Stern, that vile, uh, dirty mouth, filthy mouth person who uh, ended up uh, leaving the FM and he went on to get onto the satellite radio and kind of made satellite radio. Uh, he is now nothing more than a spokesman for Big Farmer. This, this, you know, anti-establishment guy going after all both parties, and now he's just a a patsy. He's a, he's become a multimillionaire, and now he's nothing more than a pretty a lapdog for Big Farmer. You know, get your vaccines, put your put five masks on, stay a mile from me. I'm in my nice little mansion on Long Island. I have my pool. I have all. I'm a multi. I I made millions of dollars, pissing and sh crapping on. Uh, traditional values and uh, demeaning my guests and making fools out of them. And you stupid people watch me and you bought my stuff, the advertisers that advertise, and I made millions of dollars mocking and hating you people. And now I'm showing my true colors. I'm just a phony like like everybody else I was criticizing. 
yeah, yeah. Uh, that's that's what we get with uh, people like Howard Stern. Um, uh, also, yeah. So I want to I want to address this. Get back to the topic of Christian nationalism. I'm going down a little uh, rabbit hole for a second there. So the last couple of years, I've been seeing a lot of articles attacking this so-called Christian nationalism, and I think it, it ramped up a bit with the new Speaker of the House, uh, Mr. Rogers, from, uh, Mike Rogers from um, uh, Alabama, Georgia. I think it was Georgia. Um, five. He's been in there five terms, not that well-known, or is it five years? Not that well-known. But he ended up bringing a Bible to the podium, and people asked him his worldview. He said, that Bible's my worldview. And that's supposed to mean that he's a Christian nationalist, that he says America should only be for Christians and nobody else. Uh, everybody else should be excluded, either convert or get out. Well, and I guess I looked up the term on Wikipedia because this everybody seems to have a different definition of a Christian nationalist. Uh, the left looks at anybody who probably believes in God, a Christian who believes in God, takes their faith serious, and shares a uh, conservative values. In other words, they're pro-life. They don't support the uh, homosexual and uh, this other madness, this LGBTQ madness. Uh, they believe in limited government, lower taxes, and the right to keep and bear arms. These are the people that are considered Christian nationalists by default. Now, I don't know of any, I don't know any Christians in the circles I travel in that want to set up some kind of Christian republic and expel all those who don't believe those same values. Uh, Christians, I think, and it's interesting too, when it comes to Israel, evangelical Christians are the most pro-Israeli people. Now, we're talking about the nation of Israel. They support Israel. They have a. They believe they have a mandate from God that says that you, uh, it says that I believe it was an exodus, Exodus, um, Genesis, and it said uh, the Abraham covenant, and that all people will bless, all those who bless you will, will be blessed. And uh, I, I'm not in that camp personally. I sympathize with Israel, but I look at the covenant after Christ came, I think. But at the same time, uh, we, as Christians, obviously we need to be sympathetic to the Jewish people. And they have a they've have a, a history of a persecution. In fact, they found more refuge here in this country than I think anywhere else in the world. And I have Jewish friends that will say that you know they and and they'll say that they have no problem with uh, expression of faith by Christians in the public arena. In fact, they welcome it. They know that if that person is a disciple of Jesus Christ, that they're going to uh, and that worldview prevails politically, that they're going to be free. And George Washington, the founder, the father of our country, he visited the oldest, well, that, not the oldest then, that was the first, I think, but it's still a, in um, in Rhode Island, in Newport, Rhode Island. And I think they still have uh, some some historical uh, references in that, that synagogue in, um, in Newport, Rhode Island. And Washington had nothing but great uh, love for the, for, the, for the Israel, for the Jewish people. And in fact, a lot of the founding fathers looked at us, they called us the New Jerusalem. The United States was the New Jerusalem. Now, we're told uh, by these leftists that the United States was not founded by people of the Christian faith, or if they did, they had very little influence. 
And that is so ludicrous. And you have to look, you don't just look at the Constitution. And I, I want to say, I know there are some people I know that think the Constitution was not a, that it went out of its way not to be, it's totally secular. And I like what um, John Eidsmo, and I mentioned his book before, Christianity and the Constitution. Uh, Gary Allen, the author of Nundir Call Conspiracy, made a comment about, he said, the word capitalism is not in the Constitution, but it's the only economic system that could be under such a constitution. Because I think the word capitalism wasn't even coined until some years later. Uh, I think it was coined by Marx, actually. Uh, the same thing about Christian. There are some references to Christianity uh, uh, when it comes to Bill Sunday's accepted, and at, at the end, of, at the end of the constitution, where, where it says in the, in, in the year of our Lord. So there's a couple of references. But when you look at the Constitution, you have to ask yourself, what was the worldview of the authors of this? They gave us checks and balances. They didn't give any branch too much power. They put some power in the voters when it came to the House of Representatives. They put some power at the state uh, the state officials when it came to electing senators. And when it came to electing the president, it was based on the Electoral College. And each state had so many votes. Uh, based on their representation in Congress. So it wasn't that a big city could completely uh, take over. The city of Boston would have more votes than, say, all of New England. Uh, so so there was checks and balances. And why, why were they put in there? Because of the worldview of those who wrote that Constitution. They had a Calvinist worldview to some extent. They may not have been disciples of John Calvin, but they realized that man was pretty innately depraved. And why would you say that? Aren't we basically good? Well, just look at the history of the world. It's the history of struggles and battles and man's inhumanity to man. And you tell me that um, you're uh, that we're basically good? No, I'm, I'm afraid not. And that's a real important Christian. Even a lot of evangelicals will believe that we're left to our own devices. And the Bible's full of verses. Uh, um, I think of Isaiah, it says, our righteousness are as filthy rags. That is without God in our lives. And the term filthy rag basically meant a woman's, the rags of women use when they were ministrating. That's, that's what that means. So without God, what we do is really not so good. It means nothing without God in our lives. And so our founders gave us a form of government that required a lot of um, work. And um, Benjamin Franklin, as he was leaving uh, the uh, the hall after the convention concluded, was asked by a woman, and I wrote an article by, I can't remember her name, but she was a friend of George Washington. So she was uh, well-known. I just can't think of her name offhand. And she, and she said, what type of government have you given us? And he said, a republic, if you can keep it. And he said, if you can keep it, because it requires a lot of work. And unfortunately, most Americans aren't doing the work. They may, they most of them don't even vote. They don't even show up at the polls to vote. And when they do vote, they may be voting for their particular interest in interest alone. Well, I don't like Joe Biden. He's he's going to ruin the country. But if I don't vote for him, I'm going to lose my Social Security because that's what the Republicans want to take my Social Security. Even though they don't know, they haven't said they want to do that. That's what they'll do. So even if they know Biden will destroy the country, but it won't be destroyed overnight. So I'll, I need to get my check from Social Security, and I know under Biden he won't take it away. No, he won't take his Social Security away, 
but he'll inflate all oh, his handlers. They'll make that, that, that money you get will be worthless. So you'll still get the, you know, you, you check every month, but you don't go, you can't do much with it now. And the cost of living adjustments don't keep up with inflation, but you vote for them anyway. Or if you, you're a one issue person, uh, you'll vote for that person who will, will support that one issue and nothing else, no matter what else they promote, that'll be it. So, Anyway, so this idea of Christian nationalism is just another way, you know, to scare leftists and to donate any money. It looks like the Democrats don't really have uh, an agenda where they're going to do something positive. It's always we're going to keep killing babies. We won't talk. We won't talk about the borders. We don't want to mention that. We'll just mention the Republicans and how evil they are and they're anti-LGBTQ and they're and, and that's it. So vote for us. So so. Uh, your child, eight-year-old boy, can be castrated by a chemical castrator without your knowledge. You know that's 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 a right. The eight-year-old has a right to, to determine what gender they are. You know they can't. You can't. A, a nurse in in a government school can't give the child aspirin without parental ap- approval, but will definitely uh, be able to castrate you without your parents' knowledge. Um, anyway, and so <clears throat> that's that's what it all boils down to. But if you did just look at our nation's organic documents prior to the Constitution, and then you look at the state constitutions right there, then and there, which obviously they came on, they were written after the country became a sovereign nation on July 4th, 1776. And there would be all kinds of references to God, um, the purpose of government, uphold morality, piety, and virtue. And even up until the 1830s, you had to be a Protestant to run for office in many states. And that was repealed as I think people became a little more, um, you know, they were, some of the stuff they inherited from Europe. And they came here and, okay, this looked like a good, good idea. and uh, But slowly, uh, slowly that, that was changed. And they didn't, they changed it. They, there was no ACLU around in those days. They weren't around until like 1919, 1918. They just said, hey, you know what? We, we should allow, if you're a U.S. citizen, you're paying taxes and you're obeying its laws and you're a certain age and so forth, then you should be able to vote. And that's, I think, a good thing. Um, although I know that when you the more you exchange the franchise of voting, uh, the more apt you get uh, left-wing people. And that's why they decided to lower the age to 18, it was 21, it's 18. These same people who lower the voting age to 18 uh, and they want to lower the age of sexual consent probably to seven or eight, don't want these people to own guns. So you can vote, but you can't own guns till you're 25 or 30 or maybe never. Um, kind of interesting how the, the hypocrisy there. But I, what we see as hypocrisy uh, to the left is just they're getting, promoting their agenda. I want to address this, this anti-Semitism as well. Um, for years, uh, I've been a, an activist, a liberty activist, since I would say 19. I'm trying to remember exactly. I had a letter to the editor, I think it was 1986. So maybe that's when it was n- not just talking nonsense in, um, in bar rooms, complaining about the world. But when I finally came out of and started uh, taking a li- trying to be an activist, writing letters to the newspaper. Uh, my first letter to the newspaper was uh, defending Ronald Reagan. When he was visiting a cemetery in Germany, West Germany, he put a wreath in the cemetery. Uh, this was, and there were a lot of um, German soldiers who died and were killed in World War II, buried there. And there were, I think, there was a few SS officers. So somehow Reagan was in favor of uh, the SS by doing that. And my letter was, no, he was just simply, uh, he was a vital ally of ours, and he wasn't supporting the SS. 
he was putting a wreath on a in the cemetery. Uh, I, he, he was supposed to know the 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 political makeup of everybody buried in that cemetery. You know that was just ridiculous. Uh, anyway, it looks like we're running out of time. Uh, I've got my little timer for my cell phone, so uh, our, our good producer doesn't have to edit too much of this when I go over the twenty nine thirty. So anyway, uh, you've been listening to the Camp Constitution Radio with your host Hal Shirtliff, and uh, I encourage you. Uh, we would like to. We want to keep this show on the on the air. If you consider donating, go to our website campconstitution.net, and you can make a one time PayPal, or you can do it um, on a regular basis. You know, if every listener gave us a dollar, I think we'd be doing pretty well, and we'd be able to expand the show. And uh, maybe I can even get some nice equipment. Had, uh, well, I have some, but I mean, even a little studio would be nice—a little makeshift studio, but. Uh, and also, please visit our website. Check out our downloads. We have some gr- incredible resources for those in the liberty movement. Visit the Samuel Blumenfeld archives uh, if you're a homeschooler. You know, I just heard an ad for Hooked on Phonics, and they're a good program, but we have a free program. You don't have to pay anything for it. Anyway, thank you again for listening, and uh, until next week, may God richly bless you. And uh, to visit our website, campconstitution.net.